What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the National Treasure Hunt podcast, where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And we're back with our third classic installment of our show when we're kicking off a new movie. So, of course, if you're somehow just joining us for season two, we've pivoted from talking all things National Treasure in season one to all things National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets right here in the second season of our show. If you somehow missed it, I highly recommend you go back and check out episodes 11 and 12 that we released over the past couple of weeks, because in those episodes, we gave you a really hilarious commentary of the movie, right? It was freaking hilarious. If, again, if we do say so ourselves. (laughs) And, of course, in episode 12, we did our classic historical fact versus fiction for this film, and that is always a favorite and a really interesting time. Oh, for sure. Absolutely love doing the research for that one. (laughs) So to round out our introduction to National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets, today we have our classic look at the behind the scenes production of the film. It's almost like our movie magic, very Hollywood-esque episode that if you've ever wondered how something is produced in the movie world, this episode is going to be really interesting to you. I know it is for me. So before we jump right into this, Emily, you know the drill. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find us if they want to interact with us online? You can find us on Apple iTunes, on Spotify, be a little hipster, go on SoundCloud. We are National Treasure Hunt. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at NT Hunt Podcast. Go ahead, subscribe and review to the podcast itself. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you guys, we post things all the time that we talk about in episodes, and Aubrey also has a little fun game going where she posts pictures that I've taken from our own national treasure hunt in D.C. that I named for some reason with very like complex names. Uh, so if for nothing else, you should follow for that because that uh, it, Aubrey seems to really enjoy doing that. Yeah, I do. Anything to... Um to throw Emily's decisions into question. It's a fun pastime of mine. And hey, when you have control of the social media accounts, you have fun. (laughs) No, but in all seriousness, thank you to everyone who's been sending us comments and, and your excitement about our second season. We really appreciate it and we are right there with you. But, um, in order to, to really get this show on the road, you think, uh, think we're ready to dive in them. Let's go. Let's do it. So first and foremost, we should probably acknowledge that when we're doing research for these um, these episodes, we are taking from all sorts of sources all across the internet, ranging from Disney and IMDb to some more niche locations. And for this particular episode, we just wanted to say that a lot of content, not all of it, but a lot of our content is coming from movielocations.com. So thank you, movielocations.com, for your service. Um, I think the overall takeaway from the production of this film, Emily, that I that I took away is that the franchise, which we know for being so true to filming in the locations they say that they're in, they did that so much in the first movie. They really did that a lot here in the second movie as well, would you say? Oh, for sure. And it was 
arguably more difficult to do because they weren't just staying in the United States the whole time. Totally. I, I completely agree with you. Um, however, we are going to go through this in movie chronological order. And so when we think about the, the backstory, the historical backstory that we have within the first few minutes of the film, this is pretty interesting. This is one of the few times in the film where we're not filming where we say we are. Of course, we have Thomas Gates in this tavern while John Wilkes Booth is shooting President Lincoln at the Ford's Theater. That's where the movie says we are. And despite the fact that our friend Charles Seegers, and of course the creator of this film franchise, Charles Seegers is on the board of Ford's Theater, we didn't actually film there. While the tavern was built in a Universal Studios backlot, the theater scenes were filmed in the United Kingdom. It turns out that the presidential box and the stage shown in the film come from Richmond Theatre in London. And here's a fun history fact for you. This theatre in London opened 34 years after the Lincoln assassination in real life. Now, you might have actually seen this theater in pop culture before it's appeared in many films and even stood in for ford's theater on another occasion do you know what occasion that was emily was it the 2000 reboot of the film wonderful film name bedazzled um that it was and i know you know that because i wrote it into this google doc so i don't know about you i've never seen it i've never seen bedazzled i've but, never um, seen it either does not sound like a movie i would enjoy yeah, I I concur. Um, but it's cool because they, they really took advantage of filming in London, right? Because in just a few scenes, we're going to find that they were shooting other scenes in London as well. Pretty opportunistic. But of course, in the film, now we jump to present day during Ben Gates' lecture, where we are first acquainted with the concept of this extremist group, the KGC. And we're also acquainted with our awful villain, Mitch Wilkinson. Ugh. I couldn't have said it better, Em. This lecture of Ben's is actually given at the George Washington Masonic National Memorial in Alexandria, Virginia. And I just feel it really important to let everyone know that I've been there. You have. I have. I have. It was actually a time pre-COVID when... Um, I was touristing around, as I do, and something associated with the Freemasons that's big and grand, yes, I am all over that. It turns out that the George Washington Masonic National Memorial is an active Masonic temple, as well as a museum and a performing arts center. And I find this lecture location to be really fun. It's not something that they actually advertise in the film itself. We have no idea where he's giving this lecture, right? But it's fun for me to think that the lecture actually happened at this National Memorial because of Ben Gates' ties to Freemasonry. So it's it's not far-fetched to think that maybe he actually was giving it there in, in the, the plot of the film. Although I guess we should probably say or assume it was given at the Library of Congress since the Library of Congress guy is the moderator of the event. Yeah. That makes the most sense. Yeah. So anyway, once um, Ben's family history is totally ruined, we need to, of course, reunite with our other characters. Emily, can you tell us where the other characters are at this time? And by where they are, I mean where our introductions to them were filmed. 
So Riley is at a Borders, RIP Borders, which was open at the time on the 14th and F in D.C. Though Riley's townhouse, where Ben ends up finding him, is actually in real life London. As Aubrey mentioned, they're really taking advantage of their time in the in the U.K. And this is actually near Paddington Bear's house. And I have to say, I don't know what Paddington Bear's house is. Is that the little cartoon bear? Yeah, but like there was a movie about it and uh, it was the house the house there okay cool so you're not only a little bit confused about the movie but also the production notes i'm confused about it no, i think it's just confusion about the other movies as well my 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 lack of memory and stuff for the national treasure franchise extends beyond and has started to leak into other other film franchises hey emily at least you're consistent i i'll give you that when it comes to the other characters here, we, of course, have to reintroduce our good friend, dumb Agent Sadesky, who is still our FBI dude. And something I want to point out here, his new assistant that we see in this film, he's always trailed by one or two, I guess, minions or whatever. His new assistant is a brunette woman. She's played by an actress named Alicia Coppola. Does that last name ring a bell for you, Em? It doesn't. Tell me more. Okay, so the Coppola family is a big acting and film family, one member of which is Nicolas Cage. However, unfortunately, in my opinion, Alicia Coppola has no familial relation to Nick Cage. However, this casting of Alicia Coppola, I find interesting because she would later go on to be a main player, a main character in the CBS summer hit Blood and Treasure, which is a TV series inspired in loose part by National Treasure and Indiana Jones and similar treasure hunting franchises. So fun crossover there. That was totally not intentional, but of course I'm going to notice it. Yeah, lots of connections there. Fun stuff. We also need to find out what the heck is up with Abigail besides kicking Ben out of the house. Well, it turns out that Abigail and Ben's home in National Treasure 2 is not the same house that we saw at the end of National Treasure 1. Unfortunately, we've moved on from the historical significance of the Carroll family in their humble abode. So I guess they must have moved at some well, point. Well, you know, new movie, new location. You gotta, you gotta switch it up. Yeah, there was three years in between films, so we can assume there was at least that much time between the plots, right? Sure. So this new house of theirs is actually the Greystone Mansion in Beverly Hills, which is another location that you've probably seen featured before in many films, ranging from Ghostbusters to Spider-Man. Now, I see Emily's face getting really excited about Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, she's... um. Between the two of us, she is the superhero fan. Um, I stick with Treasure Hunters. Though I forget the plot points of those movies, too. Don't worry. Good to know, in case we ever move on to a superhero <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but in any case, if any of you out there are like us and like to visit locations where your favorite movies have filmed, if you're interested in visiting the Greystone Mansion, admission onto the grounds to walk around the gardens is free. Fun fact. So we'll be doing that next time we see each other when COVID's over. Definitely. We we have a list of things to do and places to go in case mm -hmm. anyone isn't aware. 
And when we do, by the way, you're going to be getting a lot of fun social media content from us, let me just say. So now that we're filming back in L.A. at the Greystone Mansion, we probably got to shoot some more scenes there, right? We're being efficient and as environmentally friendly with our travel as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So some of those scenes that we shoot in L.A. include the Library of Congress laboratory where Abigail, Ben and Riley do the spectral imaging of the booth diary page. We also film Abigail's drink scene with Mitch at the bar, which like, why did she do that? Which they never explained in the movie. Yeah. Anyway, just questionable decisions by Abigail all around here. But any, in any case, that drink scene was shot at the Millennium Biltmore Hotel, which you might recognize from the famous unsolved murder of the Black Dahlia, also known as actress Elizabeth Short, who was last seen leaving the hotel. And if you're a Ghost Adventures fan like me, there was totally an episode about the Black Dahlia, and you should check that out. Another one of our niche websites that we'll be referencing today, IamNotAStalker.com, recommends asking the hotel's concierge for interesting stories about different films that have happened at the hotel. So we'll add that to our list as well, Em. Sure, as long as we don't have to do creepy haunted stuff because I check out there. Okay, well, I can't promise you we won't do I'll that. I'll stand it's, outside. It's going to be a National Treasure Ghost Adventures crossover event. Okay, when we do that, we're also going to film a podcast episode as a bonus of Aubrey watching the superhero movie of my choice. (sighs) Okay, well, before I dig myself into a deeper hole. Okay, so at this point, we are pretty much done with Los Angeles for a little while, and it's time for us to travel overseas. Where are we going, Emily? We're in Paris, and this actually happens really quickly, and by really quickly, I mean really quickly this is literally the only scene they filmed there yes we have riley using his helicopter drone thing to photograph the torch of the statue of liberty fun fact the sound that they used for his tiny little helicopter was actually from an actual helicopter so i i don't know how they i mean i didn't notice i have to say but it seems to me that a toy helicopter would definitely not make as much noise as an actual helicopter but I gotta say that's probably some pretty effective sound editing then because I didn't notice it either Mm -hmm. um of course this scene in the movie has the La Boulet lady situated at the Allée des Signes but that's not actually where the La Boulet Lady Statue of Liberty is located in Paris. <laughs> I would guess that they moved the statue's supposed location in the film so that they can use the iconography of the Eiffel Tower in the background. Because in real life, the statue is downriver from the Eiffel Tower. But I don't know. I've been to Paris a couple of times. I didn't notice the difference. Although the last time I was in Paris, I did look for the Statue of Liberty near the Eiffel Tower, didn't see it, and was confused. And now we know why. But as Emily said, we were literally in Paris for a hot second because now we are changing locations once again. What is our new location, Em? Our new location is London with a shot of the Savoy Hotel. Yes, that is how we establish our new place. Um, And we actually did film these scenes in London. We see exteriors of Buckingham Palace because, of course, we need to go and 
you know, tamper with the Resolute desk. But I'm sorry to report that the interior of Buckingham Palace was not actually used for these scenes. The interior scenes were shot at the nearby Lancaster house. And it turns out that, you know, when you see the scenes of Buckingham Palace in the film, you're like, dang, that is some opulent scenery. Opulent. Wow. That's our vocab word of the day. Okay. We're smart on this podcast, Emily. Cheese. Some of us are. (laughs) Anyway, the opulence of the interior of Buckingham Palace isn't entirely accurate. The real Buckingham Palace isn't nearly as fancy as Lancaster House. Even so, Lancaster House stands in for Buckingham Palace on screen a lot because, you know, not really easy to film at Buckingham Palace, like the real thing. Um... Some of the places you might see Lancaster House portrayed as Buckingham is in films like The King's Speech and The Theory of Everything. So those are two actually pretty big films that you've at least heard of, I think. They're wonderful films. Yeah. And unfortunately for our national treasure hunters out there, Lancaster House is not open to the public. But you can go walk around outside of it and you can go walk outside of Buckingham Palace, too consolation prize maybe so we mentioned previously some scenes that we thought would be set in the united states were actually set in london and here we get the reverse of that as some scenes are actually filmed in a hotel in los angeles what scene am i talking about aubrey i am talking about the scene with riley in the bathroom stall setting up his little tech station fun fact you can notice that they are not in england because the toilet was an American style, not a British style in the stall Riley is in. And because I know that you're interested in some of the main differences between these two types of toilets, yes, I'm, I'm going to take us down this route. I'm so interested, Emily. Bring it on. In in Europe, there's often a bidet instead or in addition to toilet paper. Apparently, it's much more common to see the two-option flush in Europe. You know, the one with the one water droplet and then the one with the two water droplets pee in the poop ones <laughs> <laughs> they also use different flushing systems not that you would actually see that in the scene just thought it was fun to put in there and something that people really like about stalls in europe is that they're fully enclosed so i don't know if any of y'all have been in an american toilet stall recently hopefully not because we're all staying home due to covid but if you have you probably noticed that there's that really large gap at the bottom and quite a hefty gap at the top that's somewhat reminiscent of that very short door that divided the dressing rooms between Abigail and Ben in National Treasure 1. Apparently in Europe, these stalls are fully enclosed and that makes them really great. So what I'm going to tell you to do, guys, is go back and look at that scene and see if you can notice how this toilet is American style. Let us know your thoughts. You're welcome. I am speechless. I feel like I have simultaneously so many, yet so few comments. You know? Um, I don't really know how we proceed from here, so I'm just gonna just gonna go at it. Now that we know how Riley set up his quote unquote techie station in the bathroom stall, we gotta go back to London here to talk about how 
Ben actually gets into the Queen's study with Abigail. If you ever wondered when watching the film, hey, what happened to that curator meeting that Ben had to try to persuade someone to let him see the Resolute Desk that they talk about before actually going into Buckingham Palace? You're not alone. I wondered about that too. Well, it turns out that is a little bit of a plot hole, which is explained to us if we go ahead and watch the deleted scene reel from National Treasure 2. So there is a deleted scene that shows Ben having an unsuccessful meeting with the Buckingham Palace curator. Shocker, they won't let him into the Queen's study. Who would have thought? So I guess that explains why they have to go the back way through the in-house mini jail. So once we get through mini jail and actually into the queen's study without the help of the very useless curator we now have an opportunity to take an up close and personal look at the queen's resolute desk and emily i think you found a really interesting fact about this i did and you know i have to mention that as some of you may know you can't just walk into buckingham palace and unfortunately the cast and crew of national treasure couldn't either in order to get a close-up look at these desks so actually all of the close-ups of the drawers on the resolute desks were actually cgi or they were shots of a huge model that was made by the prop department in order to be able to show all of the details very clearly. So I guess they were making some pretty big desks. That's actually pretty interesting. I think props are really fascinating, and it's going to get even more fascinating when we get to the end of the movie with Cibola, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, our protagonists now need to escape Buckingham Palace now that they have the plank that they found in the Resolute Desk. So when we're filming their escape from the palace, we are actually filming in the streets around the real palace. Ben's car is parked by London's Green Park. And then we begin this massive car chase scene that takes us to various locations around London that are visually exciting or very touristy or that you might recognize for some reason. So for example, we cross Westminster Bridge so that we can showcase in the background the Parliament Building and Big Ben. We show parts of the business district. We are near the historic Tower of London. And of course, Ben throws the plank into the Tame River while on Southwark Bridge. Now, fun fact, Aubrey, though we went on quite a geographical journey during this car chase scene, none of these places were actually visited in geographical order during the scene itself. Yeah, we totally saw the franchise do this before as well. Um, Back in National Treasure 1, actually, when we were filming the on-foot chase scene in Philadelphia. People like to comment on that all the time. We get to see all the amazing sites of the historic cemeteries and Reading Terminal Market and City Hall, etc. But you're going to be hard-pressed to make that journey work in real life. (laughs) Again, speaking of making that journey... In real life, Aubrey, how did they go about filming these scenes? I'm so glad you asked, Emily, and I'm assuming you mean back in London in National Treasure too. Yes. Okay, so yeah, I'm really glad you asked. We will be sharing on our social media this week 
um, a really great behind the scenes video that the production crew actually put together that explains these scenes in detail. We're going to summarize them here because I find them really interesting. Again, especially if you are someone who's fascinated by the production element here. So it turns out that in London, the streets can only be closed for a very defined amount of time, very defined periods. Not very surprising. This is a major city. So the chase scene needed to be rehearsed really heavily in advance. They did this rehearsal over five weeks of time with stunt drivers in Bovingdon, England, so outside of London. And what we see as a result is a chase scene that is truly choreographed, like it's a dance. So when it comes to the actual chase scene that we saw filmed, something that's fun to note is that Nick Cage actually did a lot of his own driving, and Justin Bartha, good old Riley, gave him a lot of props for it in behind-the-scenes conversations. Justin Bartha also uh, told folks that sometimes there would be a stunt driver in the car, but the real actor, so Justin Bartha, for example, was in the passenger seat undergoing the stunt for reaction purposes. Oh, fun. Yeah. So it's like they were doing some pretty dangerous stuff, um, especially when we see how this chase plays out. For example, we see a scene where there are beer barrels just falling off of this massive truck ready to hit all of the car's windshields. Well, in order to make that work in real life, those barrels were mostly made of foam so that they didn't damage the cars when they hit them, and by proxy, so that they didn't like seriously injure the actors. Because once those, once those barrels are falling, you kind of can't control what they're going to do, right? <laughs> yeah. And the liquid beer, quote-unquote, that we see shooting out of that those purported barrels as well, that liquid is actually being shot out of water cannons rigged up in the truck bed. So again, there are really cool videos online that show really cool special effects tricks used to release the barrels, make the beer start shooting out, make the taxi car flip, etc. You're definitely going to want to check out that video when we post it. But all in all, this chase scene was a massive shoot involving the crew shutting down the entire entrance area to St. Paul's Cathedral, which is a major tourist destination, as just one example. There was a whole scene that featured 400 extras dressed up like priests. And that, I know, Emily, you're not really good at remembering scenes, but I'm guessing that doesn't sound familiar to you, right? No, I was really confused when I read that earlier. Well, that's because that part of the chase scene got left on the cutting room floor in the editing process. What a scene to leave out. I mean, you get 400 people in there all dressed like <laughs> priests and you're going to cut that out? Nonsense. Well, that's why we're very grateful to have these behind-the-scenes clips that show just a teeny tiny bit of that. It turns out that this car chase was the biggest one ever done in London and possibly even all of England at the time of filming. So it was a massive undertaking. Well, now that I've gotten all the excitement out of me related to that really well-choreographed scene... We have concluded our filming in Europe, and we are making our way back to the United States. At this point, again, we have a plank, and we need to have it translated, so we need to go talk to Professor Helen Mirren, you know? Yep, as one does. <laughs> well, in National Treasure 2, Professor Helen Mirren, also known as Emily, and because my co-host's name is Emily, I'm just going to call her Professor Helen Mirren from now on. She works at the University of Maryland College Park in this film. And um, 
And it's pretty cool to say that the university's exteriors were actually used for filming. The interiors, on the other hand, were filmed on a soundstage. Now, this is in opposition to what happened at our college, or Sinus College, when they came to film How to Get Away with Murder in our auditorium itself and then designed it on a soundstage for later use in future episodes. Yeah, they shot the exteriors at another nearby school, and I was personally offended because Ursinus is gorgeous. Yes, Ursinus is gorgeous. So, anyway, when we were filming National Treasure 2, I say we as if we were the ones doing it, at University of Maryland College Park, there was actually snow on the ground when they needed to be filming a spring day. Remember, we're almost at Easter at this point. So production used fire hoses to hose off all the snow to maintain temporal continuity. So sounds like a lot of water. Dedication there. You know, a lot of water. You mentioned a lot of water. Do you think maybe some of that water comes back to play uh, later in the episode? Do you think they saved all that up? Because as we learned back in episode 11 of our show, water was the villain the whole time. The whole time. Um, But while we are talking about Professor Helen Mirren and her work at University of Maryland College Park, to play Ben's mom, Helen Mirren actually had to turn down a visit to see Queen Elizabeth II. Isn't that nuts? That's like a really big deal. Yes. Like to film, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong, National Treasure is a great film or a great franchise and national treasure 2 is arguably you know possibly some of our listeners may have uh told us in a poll we did over the break the better of the two movies it's great and all but meeting queen elizabeth ii that seems like a really big risk to take and kind of makes me appreciate the character of emily not just because of my namesake but because it makes me appreciate her character even more because that meant that Helen Mirren was that dedicated to the role that she had in this movie that she was actually willing to turn down that visit. Yeah, I agree. So that visit was even offered to her because Mirren had portrayed the queen in the 2006 movie called The Queen. And it was conflicting with her of secrets filming schedule because they were in South Dakota at the time, but more on South Dakota later. In any case, we next have to go from Professor Helen Mirren's office to a plan to see the Resolute Desk in the Oval Office at the White House. And we, you might recall, that to do this, the crew attends the Easter egg roll on the White House lawn. Well, Maybe it's surprising, probably not, that they couldn't actually film this on the real White House lawn. The Easter egg roll was actually filmed at the Huntington Library and Gardens in Pasadena, California, using a blue screen to input the White House imagery. And Emily, do you know what a blue screen is? Is it like a green screen? It is. Do you know why they couldn't use a green screen? Because the grass is green? Yeah! (laughs) I got something right. Oh my gosh. I also have to say, though, I, for some reason, thought that they definitely filmed this on the White House lawn. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I I don't know. The effects were done well. 
I too, even after knowing this tidbit, I've watched the movie with particular attention to this scene, and I, I don't pick up on it. I think it's pretty cool. Movie magic. Um, also, if we couldn't film on the White House lawn, probably can't film in the actual White House or the actual Oval Office. Shocker. So those were recreated in a studio. Something, by the way, Emily, that I find fascinating, for all of the movies and TV shows that have the White House and the Oval Office incorporated into them, you'd think there'd be like a permanent Oval Office soundstage or something instead of everyone having to recreate the Oval Office for their productions constantly. But I digress. So when we're in the Oval Office, we are, of course, in a studio, but then we learn that we need to kidnap the president because Riley's book tells us about the president's secret book. And because and, why not? And because, I mean, we stole the Declaration of Independence last time. We got to up our game. We got to up our treason game here. Yeah, for sure. And something that I think is funny here. It is said that the document that we see for like half a second in Riley's book is Marilyn Monroe's autopsy report. Weird. Yeah, very interesting stuff. So, Emily, where are we going to go to kidnap the president? We got to go to his B-Day party, man. I mean, we got to celebrate the dude. And this was, in fact, shot at the real Mount Vernon, which is very cool. And, fun fact, you can go to visit Mount Vernon on their National Treasure 2 tour. Yes, this podcast is not sponsored by Mount Vernon, but, like, if they want to do that, we'd be totally up for it. Definitely, we'd be down for that. Yeah, but while the exterior shots at Mount Vernon were actually at Mount Vernon, and that was actually Randy Travis filming his scenes there at, like, I think, like, 2 in the morning. It was super early in the morning. Yeah, really early. Um. Despite the fact that we were at Mount Vernon then, we couldn't stay at Mount Vernon when we were shooting the secret tunnels. Those were actually shot in studio. Yes, and that is partially because those secret tunnels don't completely exist. Emily, they were supposed to figure that out on their tour at Mount Vernon. Shh. <laughs> my bad, guys. My bad. <laughs> so after we kidnap the president, we obviously got to make our quick getaway. And we need to head off to the Library of Congress to find the president's book. But Emily, I know you did some fun, what I'm guessing was Google mapping here. Yes, in fact, I did. Now, see, Ben told Riley to meet him at the Library of Congress in 20 minutes. Now, in real life, with no traffic... It's a 17-minute drive from Mount Vernon to the Library of Congress. But due to the eight miles that the travel of travel on local roads, the estimated time to reach the Library of Congress from Mount Vernon would actually be 30 minutes. So their timing during this very important kind of heist-like scene would have been off by about 10 minutes, which, if I've learned anything from these movies, is potentially deadly. A very good point, since we know the FBI was hot on their trail. And also, as someone who lives in and around the D.C. area, you also just have terrible traffic you're going to have to deal with. That 30 minutes is probably going to turn into 45. Just saying. <laughs> good to know. Um, but yeah, we head off to the Library of Congress, which features prominently in both National Treasure 2 and back in National Treasure 1. They end up finding the president's book in a typically empty balcony room overlooking the main reading room. So yes, once again, we are actually 
shooting at the Library of Congress. Now, they did their filming at the library over two weekends in March and April, about 12 hours per day from, get this, Emily, 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. Nope. I, I said that right. That is not a mistake. 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. They did it overnight so that they didn't have to disrupt normal operations. And this required a crew of about 100 people plus 50 extras. Wait, 50 extras? Where were these people? Where were all these people? <laughs> That's an excellent question. I feel like we see five people, right? Yeah, the there are like time. five or ten people in this scene. Yeah, um... I don't know what to tell you, except for maybe they were, like, overprepared. Maybe there's lots of deleted scenes we didn't get to see. <laughs> maybe there's a whole scene of extras trying to barricade them from leaving or trying to help them escape the FBI. I don't know. I'm totally spitballing here. Very creative, Aubrey. You should definitely be on the writing team for National Treasure 3. Hey, your lips to God's ears. Anyway... <laughs> There's a there's a cool article out there in which the Library of Congress's director of communications back at the time of filming said that the main thing that was incorrect about the portrayal of the library during this film was the book classification system. So the Book of Secrets, of course, is located in the section labeled XY, but unfortunately the XY section doesn't actually exist. However, there is an X section that stands for pamphlet type materials. So, you know, the book is basically a pamphlet, right? Yeah, books are pamphlets. What's the difference? Binding, <laughs> but you know. The other incorrect bit here is that the book stacks that we see Abigail, Ben, and Riley walking through to find the president's book those book stacks are not open to the public but again as we know abigail was library of congress staff right as the director mm -hmm. of document conservation so i'm just going to tell myself that's why um, they were able to access the stacks that's probably true and while we're talking about the stacks the area of the library where ben actually finds the book of secrets isn't actually there as an area of bookshelves so, in fact, the production team actually constructed this as a prop for the library on what was previously a completely empty balcony of the library's main reading room. Now, you know, we've been talking about what's happening on the inside of the Library of Congress, but Aubrey, can you tell us a little bit about what may or may not have actually happened on the outside of the Library of Congress? Yeah, so I'm going to draw us back to a deleted scene once again, and it involves one of my arguably favorite characters, Ben, and my least favorite character. I bet you can't tell who that is. Stupid Agent Sadusky. So there is a deleted scene here that shows Ben escaping the library from the roof. And so if you've ever paid much attention to the ceiling of the main reading room there's this glass mosaic right and so you see in this deleted scene the ceiling cracking under ben's feet and sadusky's telling him to like stop moving like stop walking on the roof here but the floor is like literally falling beneath ben's feet <laughs> and so sadusky threatens to shoot him why not? That seems like the logical next step. Right? So then Ben jumps over the balcony roof thing just into the black abyss of night. And that is how he escapes as he kind of like broke the Library of Congress in this deleted scene. So if Sadusky is threatening to shoot him, he's clearly 
I'm just going to call back to our super fan, Matt, again. He's clearly not trying to help Ben here. Sadusky is not a good guy. However, I will say this. There's another deleted scene where Sadusky wipes Ben's fingerprints off of the doorknob of the special collections room where the book was. So from that scene, you could think that, like, maybe he is trying to help him. And all of this is to say none of this is self-consistent and the actual scenes we get in the film have Sadusky being antagonistic and therefore he is still a bad guy. End scene. Poor Matt. <laughs> I'm sorry. He challenged me and I'm responding to the challenge. Maybe we'll have him on again sometime in the future and he can try to rebut my comments. It's a good idea, Matt. So take a listen and start building up that, that list of rebuttals. <laughs> Yes, but now, Emily, we are nearing the end of our film. We find out from various reasons, you know, Mitch threatening Helen Mirren, et cetera, et cetera, that we need to go to South Dakota to finish off this fantastic film. And should come as no surprise at this point, we're actually filming in South Dakota at Mount Rushmore and beyond. However, Emily... As I think we mentioned in episode 11, there's actually no lake behind the Mount Rushmore heads, Mm -hmm. but we know that that lake plays pretty importantly in the plot since water was the villain the whole time. Yes. (laughs) So it turns out that the lake they shot at was Sylvan Lake in Custer State Park in the Black Hills. It is about five miles southwest of the Mount Rushmore monument and heads. And speaking of the Mount Rushmore Monument and Heads, this is actually a pretty cool fact that I found. Um, So obviously we know that Disney made the National Treasure movies, and Disney actually found out that due to the schedule that they were shooting National Treasure 2 at Mount Rushmore in, they were going to be essentially displacing a school prom, specifically that of Hill City High School, that was actually held annually at Mount Rushmore. And I just want to pause here to say having a prom at Mount Rushmore sounds pretty awesome. So if I were that senior class, I would have been very disappointed. I had a prom at an aquarium. We had a touch of shark tank. Wow. Well, my proms were not that cool. To make up for the fact that they took this lit prom location away from these seniors or potentially juniors, depending on when this prom takes place at Hill City High School, Disney actually paid for their prom by providing money so that they could transport everything to a new location. And this was actually occurred in Rapid City. They gave money in addition for door prizes. And they actually gave, get this, scholarships to the valedictorians. That is so kind of them. And I am really pleased to hear that. Okay, well, now that our prom goers are all taken care of, there is someone else we have to take care of here, Emily, and you know who that is? Who? Professor Helen Mirren. So there is another little bit of a plot hole here. And to explain it, I'm going to call back to the scene where Professor Helen Mirren has to give a false translation of the plank when she's about to be kidnapped by Mitch. She has to tell Patrick a fake translation. And that translation that she gives Patrick is release the hummingbird. Do you remember this, Emily? I remember that surprisingly. Do you remember that we somehow never learn what that means 
and somehow also Ben knows he has to rescue his mom. Unsurprisingly, Aubrey, both to you and our fan community, that did not cross my mind. Oh my gosh. Well, it's something that bugged me for years, literal years. How did Ben know that Mitch had kidnapped his mom? Well, the deleted scenes are coming to our rescue again. So in one of these deleted scenes, Ben reveals that his mom used to tell him a story when he was a kid. And this story was a Lakota Native American myth about a hummingbird that's name, I apologize if I mispronounce the name of this myth, Tana Hala. And the hummingbird was the spirit of sacrifice. So in the story, the hummingbird sacrifices itself to save the earth and the moon, which the hummingbird believes is its family. So Patrick then realizes that Professor Helen Mirren is the hummingbird, right? They have to rescue her. So sweet. Yeah, but like, I don't know helps to know that it does kind of fill in a little blank that we have here of like how did they know that she was in trouble besides the fact that this is a an action movie with villains i guess that was to be expected but in (laughs) any case i have another fun deleted scene fact for you here emily you want to hear it yes there is another deleted scene that gives us a totally different ending to the movie wait what Okay, and when I say totally different, I mean they still find Cibola and stuff, but the way it all happens is very different. So in this alternative version of the story, Ben actually turns himself in so that the FBI shows up at Mount Rushmore and can arrest Wilkinson to save his mom. Oh. Right, but then what? Ha- how does he find the treasure, you may ask? Well, Ben takes Sadusky aside and tells him, I not only found the president's secret book, I took it. Okay? Wow. wow. And, <laughs> yeah, bold. And so Ben tells him, you release me and Mitch, because Mitch has this, like, extra clue, and I will tell you where I put the book. So dumb Agent Sadusky says the book is the only thing he can't take a chance on losing, lol, because he already lost the president. <laughs> and... So Sadusky agrees to let him go, and Ben tells him that he put the president's book at Harney Peak, which is also in the Black Hills. So while Ben and Mitch and company go off trying to find the treasure, Sadusky goes to Harney Peak and finds not the president's book, because Ben didn't take it, of course. He finds a copy of Riley's book left there. Oh my gosh. He should read it. I mean, honestly, he'd probably enjoy it. He'd probably learn something. Also, he already has a copy of it, so sucks. True. So anyway, there's another really cool uh, thing that I wanted to point out here from the filming at the Black Hills. There's a story from the Keystone South Dakota website, and I'm going to paraphrase this a bit. Um, and it's about a memorable interaction between our beloved Nick Cage and a member of the National Park Service staff. So unsurprisingly, I think during filming, the staff from the National Park was told not to interact with the actors. But in between takes, apparently Nick Cage went up to this one staff member who had this really long beard and asked him, how long did it take you to grow that beard? And this guy's like notorious for his beard at Mount Rushmore. It's like super carefully manicured. It's super long. And so there's this, like, really, that was, like, a memorable interaction and something that I think shows that Nick Cage is a really good guy. 
yes, a really good guy that will maybe, maybe we can get on our podcast someday. Someday. Again. Thrown it out into the universe. We are manifesting this. And again, from our lips to God's ears, all of all of the good luck for that to happen. Um, in any case, I know I've said unsurprisingly multiple times on this podcast. I'm going <laughs> to say it once more. Unsurprisingly, Siebel is not under Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so the entire Cibola and the tunnel system that they go through to get there was built over an eight-week period on Stage 12 at Universal Studios in California. So like many complex sets, the mountainous walls of the treasure room were actually built out of styrofoam and mm. they were painted to look like the rocks of the Black Hills and then of course painted to look gold when it was the actual you know, city of gold. Yeah. And the total square footage of the sets that they built for Cibola and the tunnel system and you know everything in between was at the time one of the biggest sets built like ever. Oh, wow. It strikes me as interesting because in National Treasure 1, they clearly CGI'd the majority of the treasure room. Like when it expands on and on, that was clearly CGI. But it seems that for this set, they actually made the square footage like count for something. Yeah, I mean, there was CG used here too, and we'll get to that in a second. But if you think back to that scene in Cibola, in the treasure room, in this case, um, in the National Treasure 2 treasure room, there are these two big golden structures that the actors are really interacting with, and there's one in the center. All of those things that they were physically interacting with, Mm building-wise, were built, right? And So, like, that was pretty big. When you think back to that scene, um, we'll get to where the CGI was used in just a minute. But I do want to note that once again, like in the chase scenes, the actors did almost all of their own stunts in the underground tunnels and then in all of the water scenes in Cibola. Wow. Of course, they coordinated closely with a stunt team, um, such as when the trap door falls and they tumble onto the tilt platform. And Emily, I know you have questions about the tilt platform. I do because it stresses me out so much. Yeah. So um, would it stress you out more if I told you that they, that was like a real tilt platform? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yes. So were it, there like two feet of space underneath of it though? Because if that's the case, then it's like a little better. Yeah. There wasn't a massive drop off and it wasn't, it wasn't real in the fact that if they moved it naturally moved with them. Mm. So let me explain how this worked. The tilt platform was this massive structure that was controlled by a person using essentially a joystick. The joystick was a a tiny replica of the platform that was synced with the real platform using a computer. And that was all set up using hydraulics and that's how it moved around. It's basically like this giant flight simulator in that the information depicted on the joystick just like kind of translated to the real platform in real time. Mm -hmm. And imagine being the joystick operator here. It was a combination of the operator kind of messing it around so that they had to react with their bodily movements naturally. And at the same time, the operator had to react in real time to their unnatural movements. So if one of them looked like they were like falling backward, he had to make a motion to go with it. 
Oh, wow. You better. I guess the actors better have hoped that they didn't uh, annoy the joystick operator that day <laughs> or they would have been in for <laughs> some real fun. That's a really good point. Um, but anyway, maybe that I don't know if that adds to your anxiety about the scene or takes away from it. I in any case, that. in any case, it's cool. Can we agree that it's cool? It is cool. Okay, and now as we begin to approach the end of this film and the end of our commentary here, um, when we get to Cibola, of course, there are incredible relics that we see all over the place. Um, my co-host Emily, of course, astutely pointed out that Professor Helen Mirren is very excited by these. And the writers had identified the Mayan and Olmec civilizations that were real in real life as being the time period that worked with their idea for the plank for the mm -hmm. plank clues and so the artistic director claims they were inspired by mayan and olmec structures in their actual design process for the relics and for cibola itself now we can't talk about cibola itself without talking about the villain of water again it's gonna be a recurring theme this season i sense it already um, the waterfall element of Cibola was described by the actors as being simultaneously fun and taxing, and it got more taxing over time because sure. they had to shoot those water sequences for a few weeks. Oh, boy. And they did all those sequences themselves. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Helen Mirren and John Voight doing that themselves. They're little frail people. Yeah, so major props to them. And one of the reasons they wanted to build these large chunks of sets, right, that we've been commenting so much on, is because all of the water in the scene um, made it necessary to some degree. You couldn't really CGI in the stuff if you're using real water in some mm -hmm. cases. So that was part of the reason they had to build this this massive set. And um, Emily, I think you have another fun CGI fact for us that has to do with the interplay between Mitch and Patrick when they're all trying to escape Cibola. I do. So Aubrey, the script actually originally had Mitch Wilkinson stabbing Patrick. What? Yes. Yeah, so this is in the scheme where they're in the scene where they're trying to escape right from this flooding city. And it was actually filmed. However, the, the stabbing was, scene was filmed? The stabbing scene was filmed and it was taken out post-production because the producers and director felt that it kind of made the character of Mitch cross a line that they didn't think should be crossed. And I guess that's fair because, as I was saying before, it is a Disney movie. So, like, outright murder, though, outright murder kind of did happen. Yeah, it's, it's well, a little confusing. If you're going to kill someone in one of these movies, you do it in a way that you can't see, i.e. trap Mitch in Cibola. Yes, and that is particularly important in that... Um, you can't see it because they, because of the fact that they shot these scenes, there are almost no shots of Patrick when they're trying to escape the city of gold. And that's because all the shots that they had were of him like lying on the ground or like bleeding. And that's really hard to hide with, uh, even with CGI. Although I will note that fun fact, his sweater in the next scene had had an accidental rip in it from the supposed stabbing that had happened. But instead of just 
like giving him a new shirt and like reshooting that scene again I guess they couldn't really do that with all the water and everything involved in it by the time they made this decision they just casually CGI'd his shirt closed I love that (laughs) (laughs) okay that is that sorry I'm like really thinking about this now and now I'm going to watch that scene so much more closely next time now Mm -hmm. that I know this um we hope you all do too and and to top this off we have one last production fact for you here today and it too involves CGI so Despite the fact that they built this massive set of Cibola, um, they did also use a little bit of CGI to supplement the physical set that they built. They used CGI along the walls of Cibola where the actors weren't necessarily interacting with the set. And so to do this, the soundstage where the set was built was surrounded by this massive black curtain. Mm. And that is where the digital effects were overlaid over those curtains. Yeah, and and I actually have a fun CGI fact for you, Emily, about Riley. (gasps) I'm gonna ask if you remember this. I'm gonna assume that you do because it involves Riley, but there's a fun, very Riley moment at the end where he's like taking a gold brick and trying to put it in his backpack. Yes. (laughs) She's nodding her head no. I'm so disappointed. Um, Well, you're gonna recognize it next time because I'm gonna tell you that gold brick that he was picking up and putting in his backpack, didn't exist it wasn't there that brick was cgi'd into his hands so that it would have the color and the reflectivity of the gold that the crew wanted that they were like overlaying on all the walls and stuff but do do you think they gave him like a styrofoam thing to hold no 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 you have to check out this is another this is another behind the scenes clip that you'll have to watch where they show you nothing in his hands and then something in his hands oh my gosh that must have been really hard to act right so trippy um so i um I think that's a really good place for us to end here today, right? We went through everything. I think we talked about some really cool stuff that hopefully next time you watch the movie, if there's a scene that you know really well and you can like, yeah, I won't really pay attention to the plot so much. I'm going to look for these little things. You know, now you can do that. And when you do, we hope that you tweet to us to tell us about it. So Emily, tell them once more before we go today where they're going to do that. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. And for your listening ears, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify. Be a little hipster, go with SoundCloud. Please rate, review us, subscribe to us, whatever you need to do. Hit that follow button, any and all of the above. Tell us about what you see. We'll talk back to you, we promise. And last but not least, you know we release all new episodes of our podcast, National Treasure Hunt, every other Wednesday. So you're going to want to come back next time where we're going to compare and contrast National Treasure and National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. And guys, we're not talking like, they both have a villain. They both have a treasure. You know, that kind of boring stuff. We're talking like hardcore AP literature comparisons here, guys. It's going to be an adventure. And I am actually really looking forward to this. I've been taking notes, Emily, for this episode literally since the middle of last season. Yeah, for anybody that's listening that's from our sinus college, we're going to go CIE on this. Yes. <laughs> Very niche audience there, but we're happy to have you if you're listening. In any case, we hope you'll be coming back for that episode and so much more. Until then, I'm Aubrey. 
And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt. Thank you.